Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. Since it's that time of year, we're getting in the holiday spirit here at Illuminate. Wishing you and your family a merry and bright holiday season. Illuminate will be back in the new year with some great new episodes. Until then, keep shining bright. It is very hard to create success if you don't first create happiness. And it's actually quite easy to create success if you first create happiness. To me, it's like, okay, well, when we're trying to get a certain successful outcome in our practice, we have to figure out a way to make the people that we're relying on happy and wanting to participate and wanting to be there. And then that outcome is much more likely to happen. I'm Dr. Chris Seta, and I'm shining a light on the innovators of our profession. Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. On today's show, my guests are Dr. Chris Teeters and Dr. Brian Anderson. Today, I would like to introduce you to two of my good friends who represent half of the all-orthodontist band Relapse. You may know Dr. Chris Teeters as the lead guitar player and Dr. Brian Anderson behind the keyboards. As you will hear on today's episode, Brian and Chris co-founded a private Facebook group out of residency. Orthodontic Pearls is an online community for sharing little gems of information with your colleagues, whether it's clinical tips, business know-how, or life lessons. Although Orthodontic Pearls wasn't the first Facebook group for orthodontists, it has evolved and grown into the world's largest. More recently, the group began hosting an annual in-person meeting, the Mother of Pearls Conference. The story of Orthodontic Pearls is relevant because, just like much of America, the orthodontic profession is highly polarized. The Pearls community went through similar growing pains, particularly in how people would reconcile these ideological differences online. While peace on earth may be a romantic wish for a new year, let's begin to come together as orthodontists and reunite our specialty. Well, welcome to the show, Chris and Brian. How are you guys doing today? Oh yeah, doing so awesome. (laughs) I love hearing that voice on the radio. My goodness. I've been looking forward to this for so long. Yeah, man. This is great. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So I have to say, this is my first three-person podcast. That's how we're going to phrase it. Okay. Okay. So we don't go in the wrong direction here with that. Getting a little uh, wild here. Getting, we're getting wild. Yeah. <laughs> and so to my right in the right-hand speaker is the big man, Dr. Brian Anderson. And to my left is Dr. Chris Teeters. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey. Good to be here. Thanks How's for having us. And uh, why don't you guys tell us where we're at? Yeah, so we're here at the Radisson Blue Hotel at the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota, which is the world's largest mall and also the site of MOPC 2021, which is the first meeting in over a year, large meeting in orthodontics. And it is just amazing to be with people in person and we're just thrilled. And I'm so excited to be here for sure. Brian, why don't you tell them what we're drinking or drank? What? Yeah, what is this? Is this uh... It's gone. <laughs> Was no, this definitely. a sour? Was this a... It, it was an old-fashioned. It was yeah. an old-fashioned, yeah. okay. Bullet, I believe. Sure. The finest not? bullet. I'm a novice, so I'm probably the least qualified person to be discussing what we're drinking. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, so, so it was an old-fashioned. Thank you for the bartenders. It was delicious. I think we've had a good time here at the meeting. I have to mention, very sadly, this was my final show with Relapse. My time has lapsed with Relapse. Mm-hmm. So sad. Yeah. A good one is to there, end is there on, be, It was. On. Yeah. It was yeah. a fun show. People probably want to know why I'm retiring from the band. And I'll, I'll be very honest. It is a lot of work keeping up with the material. And I'm just so impressed with how quickly you guys learn the songs. It's How many songs is it now, Teeters, that you guys have in your repertoire? I've got about 60 or so. 
60 and most songs. shows are about 25 to 30 songs. I mean, that's epic. Like, that's on the level of, like, U2 or uh, Dave Matthews Band. I mean, yeah. it's impressive. And you guys are super talented musicians. You all are. I have to shout out to uh, Cole Johnson and Kyle Fagula as well. Absolutely. I've so much enjoyed my time in the band, and this is it's so bittersweet for me. But I think one of the things I've taken most from this group is the performance end of things. And just, I never thought about that being in a band. It was just sort of like you got up there and you play your instrument and, and I don't know, you look at your toes or something like that. But <laughs> I'm sure you guys feel the same way with Cole and all the notes he gives on like yeah. the little choreography yeah. and dance moves. Yeah. And he is by far one of the most observant people I've ever met. Oh yeah. I mean, he's, he's very analytical, great attention to detail, obviously, you know, very smart. I'd agree with that. I remember he would go over a song, hey, that chord on the third bar of this. I'm like, wait, you were singing, you were crowd surfing at that moment. How did you capture it? How did you know that? It's, it's just, it's yeah, so just crazy. Amazing. And Kyle is such a phenomenal drummer too. I he mean, really his is. timing is fantastic. So good. Uh, you know, and he picks things up so quickly too. Yeah. So speaking of the workload yeah. of relapse, what I like to tell people that's kind of fun is before our last show at Gorp, uh, Kyle said, you know, we're in this text thread and he's like, Hey guys, let's just go out there and just have fun, not take ourselves too seriously. Other than the fact that we've invested hundreds of hours into this, <laughs> let's just, let's just not take ourselves too seriously and go have fun. <laughs> hey, <laughs> something to remember, right? It's like a r really fun, you know, passion project to be doing something that you love and to be able to host a meeting in part so that we can play and have a good time. We've gotten really good feedback. Everyone's told us, man, the party last night was so fun. We loved it. It was just a, you know, an amazing highlight. And it was probably as fun for us, maybe even more fun for us than it was for the people there. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm certainly going to miss it. Um, I hope maybe one day to be back. We'll see if the guys will take me back. I'll probably be kicked to the curb. But uh, anyway, as far as the podcast today, I think you guys are both well deserving of having your own episodes, but I thought it'd be fun to sort of mix up the format here a little bit. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Chris Teeters here to my left. Teeters, I think your superpower is your organization and time management, which you're just like a monster at. Oh, and man, I don't know if I'd call it time management. I just press play and I keep going until I crash. But uh, I, mean, I definitely don't have an order. <laughs> no, the amount of work that he can do, though, in a day is unbelievable. The amount of stuff he can get done is like two people. <laughs> it, it's crazy. I mean, even just setting up for a relapse gig, it's like he sets it all up by himself in like 20 minutes. I'm like, what? <laughs> How did that happen? It's crazy. And Brian, I think your superpower is like your emotional intelligence and empathy. I mean, for those of Absolutely. you that don't know Dr. Anderson here, he's, you know, on the outside, big muscles, but almost like a teddy bear on the inside. <laughs> Such a great guy. Unique pairing. I've learned that you know, phraseology recently. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love it. Well, let's dive a little bit into your backstories and we're going to start here with Chris and yeah. uh, why don't you tell us where you grew up? Yeah. So I grew up just North of San Francisco in a little mountain town called Novato. Loved it there. I actually grew up playing music since I was young and I thought I was going to be a guitarist. That's what I wanted to do. And then I also wanted a big family. I knew that that was not going to be compatible. So uh, following my other passion for orthodontics was a great thing. But, uh, you know, after high school and all that went to Sonoma State and then transferred there to UNLV, where I finished my pre-dental training. Mm -hmm. After that, went to UNLV's dental medicine school, finished there, then went to Minnesota for ortho. And how about you, Brian? Where'd you grow up? SLC, comma, UT, <laughs> 84121. <laughs> I love how it just rolls off your tongue. I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah. Lived there my whole life, served a church mission from age 19 to 21 in Portugal. Wow. Um, which That's is right, a, you speak Portuguese, right? Yeah. Say a little Portuguese. something. You follow Portuguese. What does that mean? I speak Portuguese. Okay. <laughs> you think I can figure that out? <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely a highlight of those you know years transitioning from like teenager into adult. Um, learning in a new culture, you realize that the world's bigger than your own little bubble mm -hmm. you've been in. You appreciate a different way of seeing things, a different way of doing things. So that was really amazing. And then yeah. I went to undergrad at BYU. Mm -hmm. So go Cougars. There you go. I'm still a big fan. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Midwest for dental school, University of Iowa. Mm -hmm. And then came to University of Minnesota awesome. for orthodontics. Yeah, yeah and that's is, sort of where your stories converge right, right here in Minneapolis, right? Yep. yep. And uh, what year did you guys start your program? 2011. 
Yep. 2011 okay. through 2013, two-year program. Mm-hmm. Dr. Brent Larson is the chair of the department. Mm-hmm. And he spoke. He was our first speaker this weekend. I just met him in person. Yeah. Today for the first amazing. Time. He's yeah. just an amazing guy. I just gave a very brief intro of him. He's very present, incredibly smart, you know, humble. Mm-hmm. Um, and he shared a slide in his presentation that showed Minnesota in the winter with just under a foot of snow or whatever. And he's like, you know, this is why we can be a two-year program here. <laughs> because in the winter, there's nothing else to do except for go inside and talk about orthodontics. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we loved it here. And it's fun It's fun to be back here for MOPC 2021, to be back, you know, where it all started. And it was a special honor to have Dr. Larson, like I said, be the first speaker, be on the other side of things to realize that, hey, we're still young and, <laughs> you know, we're still green, so to speak, um, relative to you know, somebody like him who's done, you know, he's coming off of AAO president. He's done a lot for the specialty. It felt fulfilling or rewarding to feel like, you know, we're, we're contributing in a meaningful way, I hope, to yeah. the profession. Oh, and I think you are. I mentioned to him today, I was like, you know, you must be so proud of Chris and Brian for putting this together. It's pretty phenomenal, I think. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more. But Brian, you basically, you're back in Salt Lake now, right? At Foothill Orthodontics? Salt Lake City, yeah. So Foothill Orthodontics, we have two locations there. Um, my partner, Jeff Chandler, and I have like a satellite kind of office in Elko, Nevada. And then I own a pediatric dental practice there as well. And Chris, I know you met your beautiful wife, Morgan, who's a pediatric dentist right, yes. in dental school. Yep. And then I think she uh, brought you back to Arizona. Right? She did. She couldn't handle the cold in Minnesota. She's like, baby, I know you love it here, but we're going back. I don't blame her. For sure. And then, yeah, I joined her dad's practice and we have a true family practice. So we have my wife who's pedo. We've got my father-in-law who's ortho. I'm ortho. I have two of my sister-in-laws working and then I have my brother-in-law helping out during the summer. And it actually amazingly works very, very well having us together as family in business, mm. which, uh, you know, I hear isn't always isn't the case, but uh, with us, it's been really great. And uh, that's awesome. It's been a good thing. Wonderful. So guys, how did the whole idea of the Orthodontic Pearls Facebook group come about? Because I joined Facebook 2016, and I believe it was already formed at that point. Yeah, really, it came about because we wanted to make hundreds and hundreds of dollars running a meeting. Just teasing. (laughs) (laughs) Just teasing. But I say hundreds because it really isn't about the money. And that's, that's the reality with the, you know, the time invested. It's not about the money. And I think that's one of the things that makes the group great, that it was started out of passion mm-hmm. and a desire to share, a desire to learn, a desire to collaborate. So Chris and I started the group. There were some other groups. In fact, the reason I joined social media, I was not on any social media whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And an orthodontist friend said, hey, you got to join these orthodontic Facebook groups. So I joined social media because of orthodontics. I'm a nerd. It's okay. It's okay. You're a nerd. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, basically it was a newer thing and it was essentially almost like a virtual study club in some ways. Right. I I don't know if there were many virtual study clubs before that, maybe like Orthotown as an example. That's what was so appealing to me is like, I thought, gosh, up until that point, when a tricky case would come into the office, I would email my Mm co-residents. Those are the people that I knew to be able to ask questions. And sometimes you need an answer right now and they're busy and they don't get the response to the email for a day or two, which obviously makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. So I think for me, realizing that, gosh, we can put this out there into the ether and you can have brilliant people who you otherwise would very, uh, you would unlikely know Mm -hmm. that can respond to your question and you can be exposed to different ways of thinking in an instant. Fantastic. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, so we started the group when some of the other groups started to feel like maybe there was a fear of sharing or it seemed like maybe there was an agenda or okay. something like that. So we started the group and we kind of honestly just like let it lie low. We didn't really do anything with it. And then when one of those groups blew up, we just said, okay, well, hey, let's let people know that this group exists and its purpose and its mission, right time, right place. You know, I think mm-hmm. success in large part yeah. often is due to good timing. Now, was this during residency that you guys started it? And you started it together, right? So it was a couple of years after residency. Yeah. Okay. Two, three years after. Okay. Yeah. You know, how did you figure out who you were going to let in? I assume you'd like sort of vet basically everybody in because this is a private group. 
It's funny. Originally, it was just going to be our co-residence. It was a, way, oh, really? a place we can go in there, and it was. We're, what, what are we going to call this thing? And we're like, well, a place we can share pearls, orthodontic pearls. And then, like you said, when one of the groups blew up, we just advertised it to those groups that, hey, this is going to be a place for clinical and business pearls. And it just started like members requests were rolling in like crazy. And then yeah. um, ever since then, we've heard comments of, you know, hey, I'm getting out on my own and I don't have a mentor and I can post the case. And then within an hour, I have 10 orthodontists that are really well known, like helping me with this case. And sure, just kind of grown from there. And to be fair, I remember like a textbook in residency called Orthodontic Pearls. So I don't think you guys came up Larry with Larry White. Name. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He had the original, the original book, Orthodontic Pearls. I have that in fact. And I we're currently under litigation. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> you said that very seriously, Brian. I took, I took, get out well, the idea was we, we also, we have such busy practices and sometimes you just need the takeaway. You know, I want the pearl. I want the thing that I can apply immediately on Monday and to be able to log in and just type in the search bar, Hey, um, impacted third molars. And then all of a sudden you see all the posts for impacted third molars. It's almost like the Wikipedia of orthodontics. And so what year did this start ortho pearls? What was that? 2017. 20? Well, well, I think we created it in 16, but I think it took off in yeah, 17. We might have even created it in like 2015 or something. Maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. Okay. It's been a while. But. It's been a while. And then at a certain point, I imagine just got too big to manage and you brought in other like admins. Is that right? So that kind of happened relatively early on. You know, to your point, Chris, you asked, you know, how do we vet people? Mm -hmm. So we just advertised on the other Facebook groups, in particular, the one that was, had announced that it was going to be shut down. Was that Ortho 101? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we had just put it out there. Hey, this group's open. If you want to, you know, be a part of it, come join us. And so then we realized as we started to get all these people applying that we had to define, okay, well, who can be in this group and how do we vet these people? How do we know that they're orthodontists? And so we all kind of agreed initially that, okay, we think that this really should be limited to orthodontists. The purpose is to share information for our colleagues, you know, to, to benefit the specialty. And so then we recruited some additional people because we realized this is just going to be too time consuming for us just for a couple people to, to vet yeah. everybody. So it's like, Hey, so basically we found other people that were passionate, that were contributing, that seemed, you know, emotionally invested in the idea and invited them to become admins because we knew that they cared about the concept and wanted to see, you know, things succeed. And so we just kind of went from there, invited, you know, a handful of people and jointly, you know, we're admins for uh, the next several years. So Chris, who were some of the other admins? Yes, we brought on uh, Andy Sarpadar, who mm -hmm. also practices in Arizona and a great friend of mine. And yeah. then uh, Greg Ohanian, mm -hmm. who's just awesome. We also brought in uh, James Noble from Canada mm -hmm. and then uh, Doug Palaganis. And then I know at a, a certain point, you guys had a little bit of a parting of ways, I guess. Would you say that, Brian? Yeah. Yeah. So just to give you know the due respect, like I really do believe that each person brought something very valuable to the group mm -hmm. and helped grow it and become what it is. But you reach a certain point when you have, I think we at that point, we had like six active admins that were involved on a regular basis in discussion of how the group should be run or just doing the day-to-day, -day, you know, sort of administrative types of things. Yeah. And we realized that when you have that many cooks in the kitchen, sometimes it's hard to put out, you know, a plate that looks like it's cohesive, you know what I mean? And so we got to a point where we just felt like, well, we're not really all rowing in the same direction mm. or, you know, our, our destination, you know, seems to be different. And so at that point, it was really a mutually decided upon thing that we just yeah. decided, you know what, it's going to be better if we have fewer people and uh, a more unified vision, you know, so we can go in one direction rather than kind of, you know, back and forth or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's got to be difficult because is this not the world's largest Facebook group for orthodontists at this point? I believe it is with almost 8,000 members. About 7,800, yeah. almost 8,000, I think. So it, it just has to be such a challenge with that many people. You're just going to get differences of opinions and how to manage that, right? Yeah, I think our goal is we always wanted it to be a safe place for information exchange. Mm -hmm. and, and that's number one. You are free to ask any question you want. I remember I asked really dumb questions as soon as I graduated and I reflect on that. I'm like, man, you know, 10 years in, why did I ask that? We but, all do though, but, right? But I, I don't want anyone to ever feel that they can't. Yeah. And so we draw the line at like, 
you know, we don't want bullying and things like that, but we mm-hmm. do encourage fruitful debate. I think debate yeah. is very important. It's important if someone agrees extraction, non-extraction, but you know, as long as they're not, you know, insulting that person, then it's okay. How do you feel about that, Brian? Oh, I agree a hundred percent that that's, that was always the goal, at least for me. Uh, I know for Chris as well, the way that I see it is you really can't make progress unless you're open-minded to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And unless you can somehow check emotion and passion at the door when you're having a conversation with somebody who believes something differently than you, mm-hmm. to me, that's like, you know, the scientific method is questioning something mm-hmm. and testing it and then being willing to evaluate the results and to make conclusions based on what they are and not what you hoped them to be. And so I've always felt like it's a good thing if we're actually disagreeing. It's a good thing if someone else has a different viewpoint because there are, there's too much that we don't know or we don't understand. And as human beings, to conserve energy, we judge things and rapidly make decisions. Mm-hmm. And much of the time it's emotional. And so if we want to get better, we have to be willing to sort of suspend you know, that emotion and to engage with somebody else and to listen to somebody else and then to feel free to share your viewpoint or or what you believe uh, without fear of retribution or attack or whatever. And, you know, to your point, Chris, it is a challenge. That's one of the things that I found out early on. This is tougher than I thought it would be because I thought, you know, we all have similar backgrounds. We've all been trained in the scientific method. We've all sat in journal clubs you think it would be professional discourse, but surprisingly, and, and this is not unique to Pearls, it's every Facebook group and it's probably just really across America, That's but things thing. get personal, right? Yeah. And then, you know, unfortunately, I mean, you guys have at times been accused of maybe censoring the group, but I think it's more to try to weed out some of these personal attacks. Is that correct? Right. Because there is no agenda other than having a safe place. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I said, somebody could even, you know, call me out on something or question me or whatever. And it's like, although that may be uncomfortable, that's okay. We want to have open dialogue. But yeah, I think it does have to do with people hiding behind the keyboard. <laughs> like if we were in person, those discussions in person, they wouldn't happen. So I do think that it's common to just the digital age that we live in. Yeah. Yeah. When we come back, in just a moment, we discuss clinical pearls from Chris and Brian, as well as the top pearls from this year's MOPC. Stay with us. You're listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. What if you came in Monday morning, looked at the schedule, and every appointment was as simple as an aligner visit? With Stride Custom Braces by KL Owen, you can leverage your investment in digital workflow to grow your practice, address staffing challenges, and find more hours in your day. Why Stride? Stride Custom Digital gives precise control in all three orders using a kit of 27 patented braces, empowering orthodontists with nearly infinite bracket combinations, advanced AI software, and true straight wire mechanics. To request a Stride custom demo, go to kloembraces.com. Mention the Illuminate podcast and receive five free cases with your Stride starter pack with complete team training. Terms and conditions may apply. Welcome back to my conversation with Dr. Chris Teeters and Dr. Brian Anderson. I think a lot of excellent things have come out of the Facebook group. And I know I've personally gotten so much from the group. And I'd like to mention what I consider to be some of your individual top pearls. So we'll start here with Chris. I use your Hyrax Halterman appliance pretty regularly whenever I see an ectopic uh, maxillary molar. So why don't you just tell a little bit about that pearl, like how it came about and, and describe it. Yeah, so I had a patient that had a bilateral posterior crossbite, but also had impacted first molars. And I felt a lot of times if you just did a halterman, because it's on a primary tooth, when you try to activate that, I was also extracting the primary tooth. I said, what if you splinted that thing to a hyrax, something that's very durable? And I found that, you know, I did it on three or four cases before I published the article that those teeth were distalizing without a lot of reciprocal force that was messing up my bite. So I found that not only I could 
expand and simultaneously distalize those teeth. But even if I just wanted to distalize those teeth by splitting it to an entire unit, I was able to predictively distalize that tooth. And time after time, it's, it's just a dead ringer. Those teeth just move back beautifully. And since then, so many have used it and, and asked me about the process. And it's just a blessing. I'm so glad that people have found that it's helpful to their practice. And, you know, I was never familiar with the Halterman part of the appliance. Sure. So explain that in a little more detail. Yeah, so that comes from my wife and the pedo side of things. They were taught yeah. about, about the Halterman, but very few did it because the success rate wasn't really that great. You know, they'd pull back or try to activate it and it would loosen the tooth or it wouldn't be that effective. I said, well, what if you just splint it to a bigger piece of metal, you know, and yeah. usually they present with you know, expansion needs too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I had, when I had that case, I just sent it to my lab. I said, Hey, can you make a Hyrax solder these Halterman arms off the back? And then, um, we'll attach a button to it with a power chain and whatnot. And I thought, well, once you have the power chain on, just kind of bend that arm back rather than keep replacing the power chain. And it was, once you had that in there, it was such a quick and easy way to get those teeth unlocked. And it's saved so many of our cases from future permanent extractions where I think it could be avoided yeah. when you have those teeth moving. Yeah. So the halterman forward. is just, it's like a little loop that extends distally. Yes. yes. Right? It's a distal loop and it curls. And so it allows it to hold on to the power chain and the power chain extends to a button on the occlusal surface mm-hmm. of the first permanent first molar. I, yeah. I mean, I think it's so clever and I've done at least a half dozen cases and they've it's all awesome. turned out great. And you know, the alternative, I probably would have just extracted the primary molar, but then you have space maintenance to deal with. And, and that's what I found because a lot of times they kind of come in where that mesial area is just buried gingival. And mm-hmm. once you extract it and it comes in, you've lost half the space and it's hard to get it back. And, you know, a lot of those turn into where your second buy is now impacted and then right. it converts to a four by extraction case or possibly an upper by extraction case that in a normal non-extraction situation, if it wasn't for that, we could change the direction of treatment and you know i think it's the coolest thing about that yeah is i remember you know that original post that you made how you talked about activating the arm because you said it's kind of tricky to change the power chain from the button to the halterman arm yes and for what i remember you designed it so that to activate you could leave the little power chain on even that that's losing elasticity mm-hmm. and didn't you say that you could just roll the arm more yes. distally to activate so the design has you want that curl to it curl a little bit not yeah. just like a little hook but actually kind of almost a full circle inside so you have room to activate exactly and so that way you just bend it back and it stretches it and even though it loses the elasticity you're still gaining a force from mm-hmm. that bending back of that so that way once it's in it's a one and done you're not yeah. changing that power because it's hard to do back there and it's yeah. unnecessary the other thing you want to keep in mind is that before you bond the button put the power chain on first mm. And then bond, bond the button with the power chain attached. Okay. Exactly. So that way you're not trying to put it on way back there. On I the should have done surface. that. Smart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah this smart. Is smart. So we have an in-house lab, so it's easy for me to request this. But if you're working with maybe an outside lab or even you know doing a digital technique, are there certain labs that you can request this from or any lab? Any lab can do it. Yeah, it's not a special appliance by my name or anything. It's simply a combination of two known appliances so i just simply ask please make an expander of choice however you want to call it the it. teeter-totter uh, <laughs> maybe i should have done that tm yeah yes uh, but uh like i've seen neil kravitz design and i've seen so many different designs uh, but the whole principle is the same of soldering that just on the distal so you can design it really any way that you want i just use a local lab gergens um, okay. but you can use any lab that you want sweet and Brian, I think my favorite pearl of yours, it was a more recent one, but I do it now all the time, was after I set my brackets, I dip a micro brush in the Assure Plus to clean up the flash and go around the brackets. Tom and Pitts. Yeah, mm, I, I thought Tom you got Pitts. that from Dr. Pitts, yeah. which is awesome. So yeah. maybe you were just the one to share it in the group. Yeah. But also, I think your biggest pearl is probably the functional bite turbos. You want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, so that was actually, um, I learned at the Damon Forum or the Ormco Forum, probably like 2015 or something like that. Dr. John, but who goes by Bob, Bob Smith, mm-hmm. shared that. And to me, that was just like this revolutionary thing. I thought, wow, this is, this is amazing. <laughs> I mean, to be able to get a functional appliance type effect with something that's bonded, that's also opening the bite, mm-hmm. um, preventing the you know interference of the upper anterior teeth with lower anterior brackets. To me, I just thought, this is really cool. And so, you know, when I started Pearls, you know, had traditionally taken really good meticulous notes, Mm -hmm. you know, at meetings I went to. And so when I first started Pearls, I thought, I got to share a bunch of these Pearls that I've learned going to these different meetings, you know. And so, yeah, I'm still using those functional bite turbos 
And that's changed the way that I practice for sure. I'd imagine it probably helps with class two elastics by keeping oh, the bite out of occlusion. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like it supercharges the rubber band effect. I feel that's awesome. Yeah. And how long does it yeah. take you to make those and put one on? Um, so I use Floatane now. Okay. Um, number one, cause it's, they're traditionally on the upper fours. Mm-hmm. And I found that when you use something colored like a triad gel or a band lock or something, I mean, that's visible. And I know most of our teenage patients don't really mind, but number one, you know, Floatane is tooth colored mm-hmm. and so it's more aesthetic. And number two, it's just so easy to apply in that syringe, Yeah, you know, and, and Floatane is reasonably priced. So I've been using Floatane on that for quite a while and um, relatively easy to remove as well. And honestly, the way that I place it, I first seal the central groove. Okay. What I found is when you're trying to make these, Oftentimes, if you're not paying close attention, if you just build up a big bulk all at once, Mm -hmm. the central groove never actually gets sealed. And so then you can get plaque and stuff Uh, wedged underneath. It's not cleansable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what I found is the first step, be looking in your mirror, seal the central groove from mesial to distal all the way back, and then add the rest of your composite. And so you're going to get, you know, nice margins. You're not going to get, you know, decay underneath. Yeah. um, Clean. and, And of course make sure that the um, composite or whatever material you're using doesn't, you know, drift distally to make the four and the five not flossable. Mm-hmm. So okay, you got to be, sense. yeah. So you got to just be, you know, looking for that. But I, I ramp it to the distal, meaning on the distal, it's higher than it is on the mesial, you know, it's taller on the distal than it is on the, on the mesial. And that way it almost serves like a ramp that when their lower teeth hit it, they kind of want to slide forward to get better Almost like a built-in twin block, huh? Yeah, kind of like a built-in twin block, yeah. Sometimes I'll put a combination of one on the lower fours that's ramped more toward the mesial, Mm -hmm. and the upper fours ramped more toward the distal. And I found that like in cases where I've wanted to do Amara and the family's objected or something like that, that those with good elastics can work really well. Fantastic. Yeah. So tell me, guys, what are some of your favorite pearls from this weekend? Oh, man. There's so many great pearls. I think my favorite came from Cole Johnson, and uh, he really talks about the importance of effort and acknowledging effort, because mm-hmm. what we do is we look at results, and we're results-driven people, and we evaluate people on results and our own efforts toward results, and that really determines how we feel, but we've kind of missed the mark. He gave examples of his son where on his birthday, it was his 40th birthday, his son wrote a note that said, Happy Father's Day, and he was kind of butthurt about it. He's like, man, why why are you writing Happy Father's Day? Like, it's my 40th birthday, and you couldn't think of something more than that. And But then uh, his wife said, well, go into his room, and he had like 12 crumpled up pieces of paper where he wrote these really long notes about like, I love watching the Seahawks with you. I love this time. But his handwriting was poor and he's a little dyslexic. And so he didn't think it was good enough. So he basically crumpled it and he had these like piles of discarded notes. And so he had his older brother write Happy Father's Day. So on perception, I think sometimes we're really quick to see, oh my gosh, like this is a crap product, but Mm -hmm. the effort could have been astounding. We need to really acknowledge our patients, our staff, our wives, our loved ones for the efforts and not necessarily the outcome. Right. And I totally agree. I think as orthodontists, we tend to look at results more than anything. And if I remember, Cole gave one of his famous acronyms and it was CASO. CASO. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Do you remember what that means? CASO. Chris? So Q was the question. U was understanding. E was effort. S do you remember what S was? Skill. Skill. Thank the you. Skill. The skill. Do they have the skill? And to make O it is the outcome. The so he says, X out the O. It's not about the outcome. Sometimes look at those other three things. Yeah. Uh, Cole's lectures are always cheesy, aren't they? That's <laughs> <laughs> a bad joke. He talked a lot about Velveeta cheese. You had to be there. Yeah. yeah. You know, I teared up at that moment. Oh, and, uh, I watched it twice I and I teared it both times. It was I, incredible. I think everybody did. I mean, that's what he does so amazingly well is he can take a very mundane sounding topic mm-hmm. like cheese and he can really get very deep into that and tug at the heartstrings. You know, one of the things that impresses me the most about Cole is um, as I've just talked to him about speaking and, you know, gotten tips from him, he's always said, you know what, when I get up there, I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm not doing it for me. I'm not speaking so people can think I'm great or I'm interesting or I'm smart or whatever. 
I'm doing it because I legitimately want to make a difference in their life. Hmm. I want hmm. to share something that's going to be meaningful for them. That's why his lectures go so well. Yeah. Because it's not about him. It's about the listeners. And yeah. people just sort of can sense that. They know that. And so, yeah. I heard that from a comedian once, like the same kind of concept. He goes, you know, my entire life I was trying to go out and get people to laugh. And then one day I realized I'm going to give them an opportunity to laugh because <laughs> they want to laugh. They need that release. It's not them finding me funny, but them having that expression and that outward release. It's so, such a huge difference. That's so interesting. Brian, yeah. what about you? Did you have a favorite pearl from oh, the weekend? Lots of pearls. Honestly, I've been so impressed with the, the speakers and the things that they've shared. I've taken so many screenshots of the slides. I've even you know, written some notes down on my phone. So Dr. Larson started the meeting and he talked about creating happiness and creating success. And I think the thing that you know, is going to stick with me there is he said, it is very hard to create success if you don't first create happiness. Mm -hmm. And it's actually quite easy to create success if you first create happiness. And so to me, it's like, okay, well, when we're trying to get a certain successful outcome in our practice, we have to figure out a way to make the people that we're relying on happy and wanting to participate and wanting to be there. And then that outcome is much more likely to happen. So he shared a lot of wisdom. He talked about purpose as well. You know, he was in um, private practice. He was successful. He had sort of achieved all these things in terms of free time and money and things that I think a lot of people would say, you've climbed to the top of the summit. You're successful. Yeah. And he said, you know, it took my wife to pull me aside and say, Brent, you're not happy. You're not happy. And I think it's because you're not teaching because you love to teach and you're not doing that. And he said, gosh, you know, I, I was trying to convince her. No, I am happy. I was arguing with her. I'm happy. <laughs> and he said, but then I really looked at myself. I realized, yeah, there's something to that. So that was amazing. You know, as Chris said, Coles was amazing. Our good friend, Kyle, you know, relapsed bandmate. Yeah. Had an amazing talk on the seven habits of highly effective orthodontists and then some digital, you know, marketing pearls. And I think the thing I'll remember from Kyle's lecture is, so he shared a lot of wisdom secular wisdom from people like Mark Twain, Stephen Covey, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But then he also shared, you know, a number of Bible verses and I thought it was right. cool. He addressed it and he said, you know, and people asked me about that. Why do I do that? And it's because, Hey, if I can share, you know, wisdom from all these different sources, then, you know, couldn't I share something from Solomon or David or, you know, whatever. So I, yeah. To me, that was cool. That's like just owning who you are right. and doing it respectfully and unabashedly just being yourself. There's something to that that I thought was really, yeah, really cool. no, I, you know, and uh, I thought that was phenomenal, and it does speak to Kyle because faith is so important to him. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so um, then Dr. Alvitro, you know, is amazing talking about forces. I listened to her one time, probably six seven years ago in Salt Lake City, and she gave a full day lecture, morning and afternoon, on the forces appliance. And at that point, I realized, wow, this is a lot more versatile than I ever had any idea about. And so some great pearls there, Dr. Neil Kravitz. The thing about Neil is he's always been impressive and he's always been amazing. But what I'm seeing in him, I think recently, is he's developed this uncanny ability to be very clear. Hmm. His lecture had so much clarity. Do this, don't do that, just in terms of things that work or things that are you know likely to work. I just thought, wow, man, this is good. This is almost like, in some ways, focusing on the basics, you know, getting back to, you know, good diagnosis, mm -hmm. you know, just very sound treatment planning, yeah. things that are likely to be successful over the long haul. So his, his lecture was really good. And then Dr. Christian Growth talked about flash-free indirect bonding. Mm -hmm. um, we just had Alfred Griffin III and Dr. Brandon Owen, you know, talking about customized braces. Yeah. Um, some uh, Dr. Amanda Gallagher-Wetzel and Susan Padre, they talked about innovation, getting ahead of the curve. Specifically, they talked about embrace and how if this thing is going to continue to grow and it's going to be more in demand and, you know, there's private equity money coming in and pretty soon people are going to start knowing the name of embrace. They want to be ahead of the curve so that when people are asking for it, they have it mastered. They're already using it. They know how to use it. Mm -hmm. So 
I think there's been a lot of wisdom, whether you use these appliances or not, there's just been a lot of wisdom shared that things that I'm going to take back with me and that I can apply. I mean, one of the things I admire about you two is that not only do you have such a great mindset about things, but you're both phenomenal clinicians. And Chris, do you have like favorite, maybe clinical pearl from the weekend? Clinical pearl. Yeah. I, um, going back to Neil Kravitz, how to exactly place the Mara and Herbst appliances, when to use the Mara, when to use the Herbst. At what point of the class two molar do we then move to the Herbst or at what part of the vertical relationship do we then switch to the Mara? So what was he saying about that in terms of? He said, usually if you kind of, if you're above that 50% or if you're more of a severe class two, then the Herbs generally is going to be better. Okay. Um, if you're going to use the Mara, then it's generally for kind of that mild to moderate type of class two correction. And that's been helpful for me because I always thought I have to choose an appliance. Do I want to use the Herbs or the Mara? Which one's better? But both. So now I can kind of add both to my repertoire and I really like yeah, that, like the clarity awesome. in that. One that's of the things, just yeah. if I can interject. You can't. Go ahead. It's my podcast, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Duly ahead, noted. Duly noted. <laughs> One of the things I thought was really cool, because I, I use the Mara often, something that Neil shared, was talking about torquing the upper elbows. When there's a width discrepancy between the upper elbows and the, the lower you know, shields, you know, mm-hmm. those round components, he said, number one, it's better to expand first so just have the upper component with an rpe jack screw for example okay just do the upper first get your width and then rescan and order the lower component that's going to fit where the upper now is if you have the upper and lower ordered at the same time often you cannot turn more than 14 times and have the component still fit otherwise you're going to have to be torquing those elbows in and when you torque them in too much, there's too much pressure on the upper bands that the bands shear and they tear. Oh. And so I thought that was just very good guidance. In my personal experience, when I do turn an RPE jack screw with Amara, I typically will only turn one to two times per week. And my feeling has been since it's slow and those lower elbows are engaging and as the upper is moving out laterally, the upper elbows are engaging those lower shields that the lower, you know, might be kind of coming out a little bit, but you're constricted because you have the lower lingual arch. Oh. Right. So I just thought it was yeah. very smart, good stuff that he shared. Just very pragmatic, very practical mm-hmm. stuff that he learned by making the the mistake and sharing with us how to do this so we don't have to make the mistakes ourselves. After a quick word from our sponsor we'll discuss how the idea for an in-person Pearls meeting came about. Stay with us. You're listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. Kind support for this podcast comes from Embrace. Embrace was created for orthodontists by orthodontists and straightens teeth on autopilot with a personalized smart wire behind the teeth. Embrace uses gentle, continuous forces to perfect the smile, and there are no monthly adjustments or tray changes. You can expect fast results, a better bonding experience, and more predictable outcomes. The curved design of the smart wire allows your patients to brush and floss normally for better hygiene. With Embrace, the journey is every bit as great as the results. To learn more, head over to embrace.com slash become a provider. And we're back to my conversation with Dr. Brian Anderson and Dr. Chris Teeters. Gentlemen, I'd like to relapse here. Thank you, brother. <laughs> and uh, let's go back here. And so where did this idea for an in-person orthodontic pearls meeting come about? Brian and I was the one to have an in-person meeting, and we were going to plan it for the year after. And then I believe you and Greg were at an embrace meeting, correct? So Doug Polygonis, Greg Ohanian, and I, yeah. Yeah, and it was actually Doug that was talking to John Pham because they were in this cool facility out in Southern California, and it was just... Just an amazing conference room that we had a, a meeting at, and um, Doug and John talked about, hey, well, maybe we could use this conference room to host a Pearls meeting, and it kind of just, you know, got legs from there. Hmm. And then, you know, whenever 
you plant an idea in my head, I just go all out. I'm like, yes, let's do it. Okay, I'm gonna get the speakers. We're gonna, do it. And, you know, and I, we just went on all cylinders and we set up a meeting, and it was awesome. We were at this really cool tech innovation place, and I thought, well, what else could we bring that would be fun? We wanted a fun element, and so there happened to be around that same time the a talk of an orthodontist band that Cole put out there, like, hey, does anyone play instruments? And everybody yeah. kind of chimes in and. And then I got on the phone with Cole. I said, dude, I'm not just a guy who plays guitar on the week. Like I literally, I play for a church every month. I practice every morning. Like I can play, like, give me a chance. Like, let's get together. Let's form this band. And he's always wanted to play with Kyle because he knows Kyle plays drums. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Brian, I knew he'd play the keys. So we just had this crazy idea to, uh, to get together and form this band. And we thought that that would be a, a fun thing to do. Like the night of, after we have this meeting to just have a band by orthodontist for orthodontist and have a meeting by orthodontist for orthodontist. I love that mission because I do mention that a lot as, you know, that's sort of like an underlying theme, I guess, of the podcast, right? A lot of innovation by orthodontist for orthodontist. And mm-hmm. in a way, Absolutely. you know, I think it was very innovative that you put this group together. I do recall that you were the one that named the band or you gave the suggestion. Isn't Allegedly. That, yeah. Isn't Allegedly, that correct? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so, so the way I fit into this is I don't think I really knew you guys at the time. Maybe it was just like we were Facebook friends, but weren't acquainted properly. And I had run into Kyle and Cole at an Invisalign summit. And I think I also was sort of joking around like, hey, let's all form a band. I play bass, whatever, you know, not realizing how good those guys are. You know, in my mind, we were going to like get up there and play like three songs and, and like drop the <laughs> mic and be done. But little did I know what I was getting myself into, right? <laughs> awesome. So good. You know, I wasn't at that first Ortho Pearls meeting. So that was in California, like you mentioned, right? And yeah. how many people were at that first one? Uh, we had about 200 to 250 people at our first meeting. Yeah, it's um, a good size. Yeah, mostly doctors and a little bit of staff. It was awesome. So what were like some of the challenges, would you say, in like putting together a meeting? Oh, man, I it felt like, I mean, I've never planned a wedding, but I've heard that what people go through with wedding planning, but mm-hmm. like times 10. I mean, in terms of the speakers and the location and making sure that everyone's on time and, and the vendors and where we're going to place the vendors and then how do we decide who goes where and and there's so much that goes into it you know and learning together and getting together and talking to other people who have put on meetings we got a lot of feedback a lot of ideas on how to make a great meeting and i think yeah. the key components are really an innovative fun atmosphere you mm-hmm. got to have av that's on point you know a really cool you know introduction to get the energy going um you got to have a social event. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people go to these, not just for the pearls, but a chance to actually be together in person because the Facebook groups are great. You're interacting all the time, but and it feels like we know these people, but when you see them face to face, it's it's just, it's so much better, more real. Well, guys, we have to wrap it up here soon, but I want to end sort of on one concept here. I got to have dinner on Thursday with Dr. Glenn Krieger, of course, from the Orthopreneur Summit. And Recently, I did a podcast with Dr. Sebastian Baumgartel, and one of the interesting things he mentioned to me, he recently joined Facebook, but he thought there were like these almost parallel universes in orthodontics in terms of like different groups or factions. And I love that Glenn, even though he might be in on the same side of the multiverse here, I love that he came to support your meeting. And I know you guys have intentions of maybe attending the OP Summit. Do you want to touch a little bit on that? I, I'd love to. I, I have the biggest respect for Glenn Krieger. He puts on an amazing meeting. I think everyone should go to the summit. He puts on a phenomenal show. But the nice thing is he's invited Relapse to play at his show. And then we're going to be playing at the OPS 2022, the uh, ACL Live, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. I mean, he puts on these great venues and these great experiences. But then he also attends our conference and we attend his conference. And we'll likely have him speak at one of ours. And Brian spoke at his ever first OPS. So my yeah. whole idea is, and it goes back to Neil Kravitz again, colleagues, not competitors. And yeah. we work together. We can put on these great meetings, bring people together. I mean, that's why we do it. We do it because we want to get together. Honestly, it, the amount of time I spend on this meeting, it's minimum wage when you divide the time. Mm-hmm. We don't do it for financial gain. We do it because we want to keep doing this. We want to have a place where people can get together. And whether that's at OP Summit, whether that's at Mother of Pearls, we just want to provide an opportunity to have great memories and great pearls. Yeah, John Pham says it beautifully about the blue ocean. If we're all mm-hmm. fighting in this red ocean we don't realize that the blue ocean is so much bigger. Mm -hmm. There's so much more opportunity when we work together and there's plenty of patients. There's plenty of people to attend meetings. If we collaborate, 
we all do better. And I believe in that. And I've seen that this weekend a lot, especially with like with Tracy Martin and Jill Allen and Dina Watt and Michelle Shimon. They're all the best of friends, even though they might look at them as competitors. They go, well, no, we're going to get together. And okay, Jill, she specializes in like startup practices from zero to eight years. Mm-hmm. And then Michelle Shimon, she's great at systems. And then you get Tracy Martin. She's good at getting like the team behind the dock, you know, um, mm-hmm. And you've got uh, just so many different styles that come together. And well, the, and this, the same thing happens with like Light Force and Stride, you know, Kalo Embraces, mm-hmm. Embrace, that all of these people that could potentially consider themselves competitors actually are collaborative and mm-hmm. they work together and there's a synergy there. Yeah. And I've always been impressed with Glenn, you know, that um, he's not competing with someone else. He's competing with himself to try and do the best job he can. Mm-hmm. And that's something that like in dental school, I identify with that. Cause like I would like write these notes and I'd share my notes cause I just figured it's up to me to master the material and to do well on the exam so I can get a good grade and nobody can take that good grade away from me. Mm-hmm. Even if you're on a curve or whatever, I just felt like, you know, if everyone else can do well on this, that's great. I think there's less pressure and anxiety when you're just trying to be your best self and not comparing with someone else. You know, they say comparison is the thief of joy. I think Mm -hmm. that's true. So I think Glenn, you know, really has, has done an awesome job of being a great example of that. Brent Larson said that today when he opened the meeting, he said they did study after study that more money does not equal more happiness. What is something that guarantees happiness? What was the greatest determiner of happiness? And he said is when you give to others, when Mm. you give a part of yourself when you sacrifice yourself like that gives happiness and i think that when we do that when we are sharing with each other there's a there's a sense of giving and it feels better than the take be sure to mark your calendars for mopc 2022 which will be in scottsdale arizona on october 7th and 8th at the talking stick resort and casino to register head over to orthodonticpearls.org use the code illuminate by february 1st and receive $300 off your doctor registration. You can also get $150 off staff tickets with the code ILLUMINATE2. As this is the final episode of the year, I want to thank the Illuminate team who makes this podcast shine. That's Skylar Adler behind the boards, and Tom O'Grady on the Fender Rhodes electric piano. Thanks so much for listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. If you like the show, please take a second to click subscribe. Also, I'd really appreciate if you could share this show with your friends. Until next time, this is Chris Setta, signing off.